1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Indie Football Podcast. I'm your host Luke Brown and joining me in the studio this week we have columnist Tony Evans and making his first appearance of the season, football writer Jack Rafton. Hello Jed. Hello, nice to be here Luke. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon which is the day after Chelsea's 1-0 loss to Valencia in the Champions League and a few days before their match against Liverpool. And now seems like quite a good point really to assess the first few weeks of Frank Lampard's reign. There have been highs with Chelsea's youngsters running riot in last weekend's 5-2 victory over Wolves, but there have also been some pretty bitter lows, from the opening weekend loss to United to defeat in the Super Cup, to last night's disappointing result. We're going to be asking, have there been any signs of progress since Lampard replaced Maurizio Sarri? Are Chelsea's young players good enough? And what should the club realistically be hoping to achieve this season? But, before all of that, Valencia, uh, Tony, you were at Stamford Bridge last night. Uh, first off, Before we get into the match, what did you make of the mood around Stamford Bridge before kickoff? Well,
0: I think it's all very positive. I mean, people believe in Frank Lampard and they want him to be successful. And there's a certain element of the Chelsea support, and I think it's the vast majority of them, that are willing to take a poor season uh, for Lampard to reset the way things have been done at the club. So uh, there was a fair amount of positivity, which... And especially after the, the results with Wolves. But I don't think it's really warranted. I think it's going to be a very difficult season for Chelsea. Did
1: you notice the kind of mood changing at all like during the match? Obviously, Ross Barkley missed a, a late penalty in quite kind of controversial fashion where he demanded to take it and then hit the crossbar. Was there kind of you know visible frustration, or do you, is it a kind of very tranquil place at the moment?
0: Yeah, it was fairly quiet. There wasn't the uh, the outrage that we've seen over recent years with various managers. Um, I, I say Lampard's got such a stock of goodwill that'll it'll, it'll probably last for quite a while. Um, I, I, I can see it. I can see it getting a bit poisonous after Christmas, but. Um, I think there's an awareness that the way Chelsea were doing things, the way they were um, they were going through managers and and downgrading the role of the manager, which they've done since Mourinho left in 2007, that there needed to be a change of philosophy there, and the period of that change will be very very difficult. And Lampard's probably the only m- manager who could have gone in there and had the grace allowed to him from the crowd to do this so I mean I I think there's a little bit of grumbling but none of it particularly visible.
1: Rafa what did you make of the match itself because Chelsea started well enough for those who didn't see the match they kind of dominated a lot of the early kind of proceedings but then conceded a second half goal missed the late penalty and and lost 1-0. Yeah it started off pretty well I think as far as Lampard was concerned and then
2: the key moment pretty much of, of the game was when Mason Mount was was hurt from a challenge from Coquelin.
1: Which was definitely a red card. Uh, yeah,
2: I think it, it could have been another day for, for sure and pretty unfortunate because uh, Mount just really is the spark for this team at the moment, which it's a bit of an indictment on the rest of the squad. I mean, Lampard's brought a lot of positivity, um, but I think the fact that they're so reliant on Mount to to spark the pressing. I mean, he, he started it earlier on in the season against Leicester and he really has been the inspiration for this team. But as soon as he went off, it just became a bit more stagnant Valencia grew into a game and just became a, a lot more composed in the midfield. I thought I thought they were comfortable as such, even though Chelsea enjoyed large spells of possession. But certainly, um, I think Chelsea probably didn't deserve to win the game outright. But then sucker punch came from from that Rodrigo yeah. goal and um, Lampard bemoaned the fact that at this level you do get punished. I mean, it's an argument to say that Kepa maybe could have done a lot better for that goal, but... Yeah, the the margins are fine, and when Chelsea aren't able to have that real cutting edge up, up top, I think uh, Abraham was a bit more subdued than maybe most would have expected. Certainly going into a game with seven goals in Premier League, uh, there's still plenty to work on, and um, it's going to become a, a real sort of cold reality come Sunday when they they take on Liverpool. Because yeah, there's it's only so long this goodwill will last. Tony mentions maybe up till Christmas, it should be fine for Lampard, but. Yeah, there's um there's still a lot to work on from this this side despite the
1: positive yeah. start. So. Was the lack of cutting edge the problem? Because until now for Chelsea, it's been more kind of defensive issues, hasn't it? They haven't looked that solid at the bat, they've been caught quite a lot in the Premier League with quite sloppy goals but Last night, they looked a bit more resolute and then just couldn't kind of produce
0: goods up front. Yeah, I mean, the problem was that Valencia were sort of really ponderous on the ball and they didn't move it very quickly. So they didn't get forward enough. I mean, Chelsea are really vulnerable on the break. I mean, the system Lampard plays, it's going to get found out badly. I mean, when you play two midfielders, and particularly the two midfielders he played last night, they get overrun really easily. So, But but because Valencia sat deep, Valencia's default was... Let's let's take a point here. They let Chelsea come onto them, and thought Abraham played quite well, but the support from was absolutely appalling. And and the the other thing that struck me is every time the ball went into into the area in the air, Chelsea won the header. Well, almost every time, and yet they never they never sort of used that sort of advantage enough, and they never swung the ball. Often nothing to Abraham. You know, if I would have been Lampard, you know, I, I might as well have got Giroud off the bench a bit earlier and got an aerial bombardment on there. All right, it's a bit agricultural, but probably would have worked. Uh, but, you know, I mean, William and Pedro, uh, who replaced Mount, obviously, were absolutely, they were really poor and they didn't give Abraham the, uh, the support and the movement around him that he needs to
1: thrive. That's a worrying thing for Chelsea, isn't it? You know, we're we're going to come on to talk about the the younger players in greater detail, but you know, the spotlight is on all these younger players, and yet the likes of Willian, Pedro, they're the players who should be delivering, and they seem to be the players who are, are particularly out of form at the moment. Yeah, I think
2: Pedro was especially poor last night. I thought Willian did some some good things. I thought he was particularly in that first half. He took took some players on and is willing to sort of move the ball forward and bring Valencia's players out and. Force them to sort of dislodge their, their fixed positions, um, but certainly going forward, um, Tony mentions the lack of service into the box. I think it became apparent. Aspel Equator, we know what he is. He's he's not able to sort of penetrate down the right. So Chelsea have got a bit of an issue there, I think. And it's going to be interesting to see whether he switches back to a, a back three, whether he can involve a more attack-minded wing back. I'm not sure there's many other options. Reece James maybe. Um Pedro's played as a wing back at times, so. I don't know if that's something you want to be risking um, against Liverpool, but yeah, certainly it's 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 an issue because right at the end when, as Tony mentioned, they're crying out for service in the box, especially when Giroud came on. You've got players like Marcus Alonso who's having a shot from, uh, from range despite the penalty area absolutely crammed with, with targets. So certainly Lampard can can be proud of the way he's got this up-tempo style it's it's more penetrative than uh, under Sarri more verticality if you will but yeah there's a um, there's enough in that squad to be able to go long to to mix it up and at the moment I think he is a little bit too loyal to the way he he wants to play Um they they should have changed it earlier last night
1: we'll, we'll come on to um Lampard's tactics in just a moment but what did you make of Valencia? Because I watched them home and away with, against Arsenal last season. They lost 7-3 on aggregate. They were awful. They were really bad. They lost their manager last week, I think it was, a couple of yep. weeks ago. So they kind of turned up at Stamford Bridge in disarray and yet cobbled together a fairly good performance.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose you got to judge it by the paucity of Chelsea's cutting edge. Um, you know, they sat deep. The uh, for twenty minutes they showed absolutely no ambition at all, and then suddenly they thought, "Well, hang on, you know we might be able to get something and get get the ball forward." And then the passing got a little bit crisper. but essentially they were waiting for Chelsea to make a mistake. And and there's enough experience in the Valencia team, and there's enough enough nous to take advantage of a mistake, which Chelsea. Didn't do, um, and and the goal was you know it, it was a very well worked goal. I mean you know you just knock the ball into the area, r- run across the face of the the, the whole defence and, and angle yourself in, and it, it's the sort of goal that you know you should never score, what well, you should never concede. And the worst thing from a Chelsea point of view is that the, the nearest man was. Abraham at the end, and it, you know, sort of, he was on, he was essentially on the end, um, waiting to, to to pick up his man, but went with the runner, and it was absolutely it was absolutely stunning. And I don't think Valencia were that good at all. I think there are clear underlying problems there. Uh, say defensively, um, the week in the air, they don't pass the ball with any conviction, and they weren't sending the runners from midfields, but. You know, you've won away in the Champions League. You've got three points and um, and they're in a much better position to Chelsea than qualify. And it'll be very, very difficult when Chelsea go over to Spain. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: Valencia are 100% going to score at the Mestaya. Where, where do you think this leaves Chelsea's um, attempts to get out of the group? Because it's not... On paper, it looked like a not-too-bad group. But if you're losing home games to Valencia in the Champions League, you can, uh, you can have a bit of a struggle. Yeah, I think
2: Valencia... Certainly nothing to be feared. I think Chelsea could go out to the Mastire and win. But yeah, this was a side that was just waiting for Chelsea to sort of show their, their hand as such. And that that two in the midfield, Condogbia and Parejo, they they should have been hassled and, and hurried a lot more than maybe they were. Because, I mean, it just shows that without Mount, without Kante, I mean, he, he would have been so important last yeah. night to really press further forward and, and maybe force the turnovers in in that final third. But yeah, just wasn't there, and I think Valencia are really going to grow in confidence as they they get away from the Marcelino era. I think the group is really delicately poised. I think Lille, maybe if Chelsea get their game together, could be the side to be cut adrift. But certainly Ajax look the, the strongest side, and it's going to go probably to the to the wire for Chelsea. They, they will need to pick up a result at the Estadio and probably win both games against Lille because it's going to be difficult to take more than three points over the two games against Ajax so yeah it's a tough predicament for Chelsea and I think it's not a disaster I still think it's certainly um, achievable to get that runners-up spot but um, yeah it's going to be a a fascinating group and maybe one of the more intriguing ones in as far as the whole competition is concerned moving forward.
1: Moving on to, to Lampard more specifically Tony you criticized his system in your analysis piece I think it was and and just now today do you think he was too naive to play that system in the Champions League because he's been quite gung-ho in the Premier League which is one thing but history tells us in the Champions League if you kind of attack and if you leave yourself short at the back you're going to get punished for it so do you think he was kind of yeah a bit a bit too naive maybe underestimated Valencia or was he just playing with the kind of the players he's got available to him?
0: I th- I think it's a, a combination of all those things. Um, certainly given the injuries he's got. I mean he, I think if Kante would have been available, he would have set up very, very differently. And even Rüdiger, you know, sort of maybe he he wouldn't have gone to but uh, the the problem is so much of the way he set up last night and to, to uh to a certain extent the same was the true of wolves, was dependent on the full backs and getting the wing backs, getting forward and causing problems. And they didn't really do that. And when, when two of your front three are having really poor nights and you, you, your full-backs are struggling to give you any dynamism on the wings, then you're going to have issues. And, and, and the, then it meant frequently there was just two men in midfield and it was easy for even a sub-per Valencia to overrun them in their area. And Valencia were getting a lot of joy down the middle. If, if things don't change, what do you think he's going
1: to compromise on first? Do you think he's going to compr- compromise on kind of individuals that are letting him down? Or do you think he compromises on the system and maybe reigns in how attacking he's playing or, or switches to a different system altogether?
2: It'd be interesting to see whether the introduction of a Callum Hudson-Odoi will, will change things because certainly he can add that, that pace, that penetration, whether Rhys James is another option for him. I, d- I do think that Lampard has a little bit of versatility with his systems he could go back to back four there's enough there but I I just think it's it's one of those where the squad suits the back three but I'm not sure whether it's the right approach for his his idealism that he wants to take it to, to teams and I think yeah he's stuck in two minds a little bit I think moving forward he he will need to, to shore up the bat because there's there's a vulnerability there. Zuma looks shaky to me. Everything he does seems to be hard work. I think Tomori's been a positive, but yeah, Rudiger is absolutely vital to come back in. And once he's there, I think it just makes everything a little bit more stable. That Those two in the midfield, they, they sometimes lack a little bit of, I don't know, something just to commit teams. I think Jorginho just frustrates a little bit but Kovacic has got so much more in his locker but it's just waiting to come out and it needs the right foundation behind him and um, he can take players on but I think he's he's sort of a little bit reluctant when Kante's not there so Kante is honestly the, the key to this team I think once he's there he just enables everything to sort of run a little bit more smoothly and maybe that that front three or in the final third they can be a little bit more dangerous when. Hudson Adoy gets there. Pulisic, obviously, is, we're waiting on him to settle in England. Yeah, and a,
1: lot, a lot of fans are
0: unhappy he didn't come off the bench last mm-hmm. night when Chelsea were kind of pushing for the equaliser. I think there's a lot of wishful thinking going on at Chelsea. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, Tamari. You know, so it's, a, it's got potential, but his um, pace gets him out of. Mm-hmm. Trouble that he gets himself into frequently, and pure the situation. I mean, it's it's one of, one of those situations where I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people about him, and uh, obviously he's a big star for the United States team, and you know, probably people are talking about him being America's best export and things like that. Um, he strikes me as being very similar to a ton of academy players who come out in you know, sort of the Premier League you know, very neat in, in the passing, uh, a little bit lightweight. I mean almost almost like the sort of player who came out five years ago, you know, the, the Brendan Rodgers type of player. Brendan would have loved him. Um but, you know, it's it's what what was really telling to me is that I spoke to Jaden Sancho uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about going to Dortmund. He couldn't see his way. He couldn't see a route to the first team at Man City. He thought, you know, going to Dortmund. And he said, he said, you know, I looked at Christian, he said, and I saw he was in the first team. He thought, you know, I can get into that team. And and, and he wasn't being, you know, so I wrote about it today. He wasn't being disrespectful in in the setting, you know, I'm better than him, but it was like, yeah, that that's, you know, I, Basically, he was saying I'm better than him because <laughs> football is like that. You know, it's a very Darwinian sort of business. You know, you, you look and you say, where can I get into the team? You know, and he's, he saw that, Ruse. And in once upon a time, when in, in Lampard's glory days at Chelsea, they bought players that when they were in the team, you'd be like, oh, you know, who, who could replace him? You know, how could you get in the team with better? You know, it's, you know, Lampard, you know, they. you were never going to displace them because they were so good, they were so strong, they were mentally so tough. But Chelsea are now buying players who you think, mm, ah, mm, maybe, maybe not, do and promoting they, players.
1: Do you think they bought Pulisic, expecting him to come in and essentially fulfil that Hazard role, or do you think they bought him to develop him, but because of the departure of Hazard, he's now kind of been voice with this really unenviable task. I think
0: they knew quite well that Hazard was leaving. Yeah. And they had to they had to get a player who could fill a similar or perform a similar role. And I mean, again, I wrote at this today, they rarely traded down when when they made those deals. And it um I, I mean, I hope he comes good because he is a really, you know, he he's he's a really committed professional and a nice fella and all that. And he has he has a bit of talent, but I don't know whether he's got the the nous and the trickery to beat Premier League defenders on a regular basis. And I don't know whether he's got the scope to develop and grow in the way that someone like Raheem Sterling did. You know, Raheem, you know, says in his first year, everyone worked out his trick. So you know what? He got himself another one or two or three and he's just blossomed and become better every year. I don't know whether Pulisic has got that, that room to grow.
2: I think he's, uh, he's under the microscope, isn't he, because of the, the hazard departure. Let's not forget this, this was the best player in the Premier League last season, probably the best player over the last five years. So it's a little bit unfair to judge him this quickly because he's only 21, just gone 21. So he's, he's a very young player and he's coming to a new league but I think you're right, Tony, he needs to get a little bit more, he needs to round his game off a little bit, because there are sparks there. Lampard has reservations about whether he can be trusted off the ball to do that extra work. Against Liverpool in the Super Cup, I thought, tremendous when going forward, following his passes, looking for both spaces and sort of moving Liverpool around a little bit. I thought that was promising, but it's it's not enough, It's, it's little flashes here and there at the moment, and there's a reason why he's he, he didn't he he wasn't involved last night. I think Lampard is, is looking for someone who can he, he can't afford passengers at the moment. That's that's the, the point at the moment.
0: I, I think if Lampard's in the job in January, they don't do that deal. In in the Dream Lampard
1: eleven that maybe chose fans are envisaging, mm-hmm. does he play with Hudson O'Doy or instead? Well,
2: I think in, in in a year's time I think that, that would be the ideal for for Chelsea, but maybe not Lampard. I don't. It's, it's interesting to know what what he thinks of a player in the long term. But I think there's there's options there mo- moving forward when when they eventually move on one of Willian and, and Pedro. But they're probably going to look to buy another one in that area. I think certainly Pulisic wouldn't have been expected to fill Hazard solely him, by himself. But yeah, I think it's interesting to know whether whether they want him to to just come in and play a, a protagonist role, whether they can rely on Mount. Mount's a, a tremendous goal-scoring goal option, um, more so maybe than, than Pulisic. hudson Roy looks like he's got a little bit more end product as well. But when you get those, uh, those attacking threats, those, that da- those dangerous options, it, it, it will definitely help someone like Pulisic because he will have someone who can combine with him. And I think that's what he needs at the moment. there's less less options at his disposal to to link with, and I think that's the issue.
1: We've, um, We've got to go to a break in a couple of minutes. Just before we do, I just want to ask one more question on Lampard. He's obviously turned up at Chelsea. He's got this really clear determination to play in a specific, adventurous, kind of exciting way, which is laudable, and a lot of people have kind of applauded him for that. Do you think as a young manager, though, you have to earn the right? You have to kind of come to a club with a history of success before you implement something like that, and that, uh, as a younger manager, you should potentially be more pragmatic and concentrate first on picking up points. Do, do you think that? Or do you think that, no, actually, he's a young manager, he's coming, he's got this vision, and and great, let's let's stick to it and see what happens.
0: I I, I think pragmatism is everything. Uh, I think you've got to... Um, uh, Rafa Benitez once said to me, he said, the, the, the future's only eight games. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. Now, Lampard, as we've discussed, is lucky because he's got... He's got uh, a longer term to develop without becoming under pressure and, and getting sacked. But the reality is you've got to get your act together and you've got to get moving in the right direction pretty quickly. I think being much more pragmatic would suit Chelsea. I mean, I wonder whether, um, you know, the players they've got, whether that suits <gasps> horror four four two. It's, um i know i know i'm a dinosaur but i wonder whether that's work better for them and, and and playing in in a more structured manner when and and basically getting a grip on the midfield first i mean especially when you've got kante there you know it's um i think you know that that would be a, a way forward i i think i think it's all it's all well and good to want to play fantastic football but you know then you go into the Arsene uh, Wenger syndrome, don't you? You know it's. Um, I think
1: uh, he's, he's trying to run before he can walk, almost, because none of these, none of the best managers in the world started off their managerial careers playing in the kind of style that has come to define them. Like Pep Guardiola had a long time at Barcelona B, and Rafa obviously playing in a different way to to how you would imagine a kind of. Typical Rafa teams play at the beginning, so
0: it it just seems I don't know. Maybe he's being too ambitious. Well, I mean, you know, so you look at those managers and the best managers. What they do is they look at the players at the disposal yeah. and say, "What'll suit them? No, how can I fit these into my system?" So, uh, and as I say, I think if if he plays that that setup that he utilised against Valencia, against Liverpool, a fear for Chelsea.
1: Okay, time for a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be digging a little deeper into Chelsea's squad and we're going to attempt to figure out exactly what the club should be aspiring to achieve this season. Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. This week we're talking all things Chelsea and their youth revolution and we should probably take a closer look at their playing squad. So, uh, Tony, before we actually get into talking about the younger players, do you think the youth revolution line has kind of been overstated a little bit because last night against Valencia they actually had a series of kind of first-team players out?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's enough experience at the club to, um, you, you know, to, to basically, that uh, they shouldn't be naive. There are senior players who've been round the block, and 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 there was enough of them on display last night to not produce such a callow performance. In fact, they 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 were the ones I'd be critical of rather than the young players. You know, the young players well. Largely did well. They didn't come under too much pressure, to be fair. Um, you know, the the, the, the centre-offs had a relatively easy night, even though they, they, everyone switched off for the goal. Um, we didn't see much in Mason Mount. And Tammy Abraham was, was good. I mean, he's developing into in, into a, a proper leader of the line. You know, he um, he dropped off, knocked the ball on. He, his movement was very good. But the, the, there are... There are senior players there who should be performing better for Lampard, and who should be. I mean, even Ross Barkley is never exactly young in in the sense of uh, sort of we're talking about now. He's he's been around a long while, and and if you just look at the penalty, the penalty was a classic example of what's wrong there with everyone. You know, an argument between senior players who takes the penalty. You know, Jorginho, William, and and Barkley. And it's all right saying that Berkeley's the designated penalty kicker. When he's on the pitch, he takes the penalties. But, I mean, I do wonder of the logic of uh, letting a, a substitute who's only recently come onto the pitch take the penalty when there's players who've been... You know, sort of involved in the game and and, and uh, sort of the psychology. and What William did, you know, and it almost William disrupted mm-hmm. Berkeley before the penalty, and uh, and and that's so. I mean, the revolution that uh, that Lampard needs to, to to do is not with the youth. Really, it's with the senior players and get the best out of them. And at the moment, he's not. Graffo, which of those younger
1: players has kind of most impressed you? So far this season, I suppose Abraham and and Mason Mount would be the principal ones.
2: Yeah, certainly, I think Mount's been outstanding, and I think even before the goals, I think Abraham showed enough that without without the goals, he he can be that complete nine for Chelsea. I think he's got a bit of nous when he when he holds it up, lays it off, and I think there's there's promise there. But obviously, he needs to prove himself against superior centre backs last night. Maybe yeah, uh, was a little reality check after his recent hot streak. But I think Timore, um Tony's mentioned, is a little bit rough around the edges. Um, but I don't think he needs to be overly concerned that his pace is getting him out of trouble. I mean, that's such a weapon. I think he he operates much more smoothly than someone like Zuma, for example, who's also quick. But so maybe but
1: surely got no future at uh, Chelsea.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. I think certainly tomore has shown that he could uh, he could displace him in the in the pecking order. Uh, I think Hudson-Odoi, before his um, Achilles injury, has shown that he's ready to contribute right now. Certainly Southgate thinks as much. So I think there are options there. Maybe not even this season. I think you look next season, um, Ampadu, I think he's already shown that he's a very composed player. Tactically, maybe even the most intelligent of all those young uh, Chelsea players. Um, Whether he plays enough at Leipzig, I'm not too sure. But he can come back and he'll he'll play uh, half a dozen games for Wales in the meantime. Uh, it's it's one of those where Lampard needs to do enough to sort of um, ride the, um, the scepticism. Remember, this is a side that was not tipped to make the top four, so the fact that he should be in the running because Arsenal are still showing that they are Arsenal. United are having a little bit of an issue. Certainly Spurs are moving maybe slightly backwards, so just by default, they should be in the mix, but I think this is this is a team that is, is a long way from being complete. Yeah. Um, January, they may have the van halved, so they could go and get some players there. and you'd think with, without investing huge money in the summer, obviously they they did end up buying or paying the money for Kovacic. They should be investing big money in the the next summer's window. So yeah, but I think there's there's opportunity for Chelsea to progress quite quickly in a year's time, but I think at the moment, They just need to sort of tread water a little bit. The young players getting these minutes, I think it's invaluable. And um, you're going to see even more of that when Loftus-Cheek comes back from injury. I think James as well was denied a loan move. So he's probably going to be the benefactor. Loftus-Cheek is going to need to sort of work back into a 3-4-3, which doesn't necessarily
1: suit him. I was going to say as well, we we should kind of clarify this entire podcast. Because whenever we do a podcast like this and we really drill into a team, you know, it's it's easier to kind of scrutinise what's going badly or what's going wrong, but Chelsea obviously they're level on points with Arsenal, Spurs, United. Um, and their win over Wolves, I mean the the sports won such a high after that. That seemed like one of the more kind of important results of, of recent times at Chelsea. I mean, Rafa, do you want to kind of maybe like I don't know, surmise why that result was kind of so so positive for the club?
2: I think just because of the the cutting edge in that final third, it, it showed that Wolves are a team which usually do not give up huge opportunities. I mean, they've proven, certainly in in those games against uh, top six opponents, they they hold their own, they're they're rigid, they're they're stubborn, and Chelsea just tore them to pieces at times. Um, Obviously, they sort of uh, regressed to the mean a little bit in that second half when they allowed them straight back into the game, that that fragility. Um, They need to learn to bend and not break a little bit. But um, that was a really positive result, and it showed that they can sort of keep on the coattails of um, those other top four challenges. Um, and if they're in, in the running, you would expect this to be a team that smooths out some of those those issues um, post-January. Um, so I think it's more important for teams like Arsenal to, to build that lead over a side like Chelsea if they are going to make top four.
1: OK, final Chelsea question for a hero and villain. Um, Tony, we hear a lot about the Chelsea project. That's what kind of everyone talks about, what everybody writes about. What club model do you think the board are essentially trying to replicate because if you look in the Premier League it took Pochettino a couple of years to kind of make a success of Spurs and make them competitive with younger players you look at Liverpool which obviously the club everyone wants to kind of copy at the moment and that's a kind of project that's been you know made possible through quite significant investment which Chelsea want to move away from so what what do you think you know Chelsea kind of hold up as the 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 ideal project that they're maybe trying
0: to kind of copy? I don't think they've got any clear idea of what they want. And I think it's for for a long time, you know, as we've discussed, they, they had the idea the Chelsea model, this is the way we do it. And we've been successful and we're gonna continue doing it this way, even if you think we're all stupid for second managers all the time, the turnover, we're winning trophies. Well at some point the law of diminishing returns means that it's not gonna work. And they've had to reset and they're not entirely sure which way they want to go. They brought Lampard in, and there's a bit of, oh, yeah, we'd like to do it a bit the Liverpool way and get players, you know, go go and find players who can come in and grow and develop and have sell-on value. But, I mean, the reality is what changed things for Klopp and Liverpool... Was spending big money on proven quality, and Abramovich, for a whole host of reasons, uh, mainly political, doesn't want to spend big money. So they're in this—they're in this no man's land at the moment. And I think we'll we'll start to see how they want to develop going forward in the next three or four months. Um, but I think it's going to be a very painful process. Okay, thank you, gents. Um, just
1: before we go, we've got time for a hero and villain of the week. So, Jack, do you maybe have a hero? I think uh, maybe look at someone like Erling Haaland for um,
2: Salzburg last night to score a hat trick. I think it's going to fuck. Got a famous
1: dad, apparently. I don't know if
2: you. Yeah, I think my, everybody's heard of him. Uh, Leeds-born Erling Haaland, I think, is his full name. Uh, I think, yeah, to score a hat trick and show that Salzburg are on the map now as a as a, a threat of a, the top tier. Of European football. They've sort of been babbling away in the Europa League before, but this is a really exciting young team. They do things a little bit differently, um, promote young players.
0: Um so yeah, I think he, he'd be um my hero this week. And Tony, who's your villain? I think uh Coughlin because the the challenge on Mason Mount. But but he's a villain even more because every Arsenal fan was be going like, Why didn't he do that when he was playing for <laughs> Arsenal? <laughs> I mean, does he ever put a challenge in <laughs> yeah. That was I mean, how that
1: wasn't a red card I got absolutely no idea no
0: it's just it, 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 it's a disgraceful challenge yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, alright thank you um, sadly that's all we've got time for this week uh, be sure to follow Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with everything going on we've also got a new rugby podcast which is going to be running throughout the Rugby World Cup so keep an eye out for that and if you're a new listener please subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Acast or wherever you listen and we'll see you next week goodbye